0: You're listening to this osteopathic life. This is Dr. Amelia Beaky. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings. These conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice.
1: Welcome back to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Emily Beeky with an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Laura Hawkman. She is a family medicine physician from Austin, Texas, and is also the founder of Happy Day MD, where she is helping doctors take back medicine and increase the market share of private practice physicians so they can have more negotiating power and autonomy in the practice of medicine. Thanks for joining me here today. Thanks for having me. Well, tell us first about your story of entering into the practice of medicine.
2: Yeah, well, so I knew from a very, very young age that I wanted to be a physician and was very narrow-minded. That was what I was going to do. I went to college knowing. I went to medical school. And um, and what got me through medical school was actually that uh, I knew I was going to be a surgeon. I knew I was going to be a surgeon. I couldn't wait to do surgery. And then I decided to go into family medicine. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, what was that turning point? When did that path shift? You know, it shifted. This is before social media. Um, So it was a lot harder to meet other doctors. And I was very much going to be an ear, nose and throat physician. Um, I had done so many rotations and out, you know, away rotations and research and presented my research at conferences and even got as far as applying. And then right around the time of the applications, um, I realized I just could not find any female physicians who had families and were able to spend time with families that were in ENT. And that was something that was super important to me. So um, that's when I started looking outside of surgery. um, And and turns out I I loved my family medicine rotation and I could do lots of procedures in family medicine. So um, changed my mind decided to go into family medicine. And I have no regrets. I just love the relationships that you can form in family medicine. And it doesn't get boring. It's different every day. Um, so that's where that shift happened. And I, my best friends are from family medicine residency and it made me who I am today. I love that. Sometimes it's chosen for us, right? We just have to step
1: into that space. And so I'm curious if that had any impact on the work that you're now doing, seeing that there weren't these role models of women in medicine, women in surgery, women with families in these spaces where you wanted to go and how that might've influenced the work you're doing now.
2: You know, it may have. Um, everything that I've done up until now has gotten me to where I am today. And a big part of this decision to go into starting my own business is because of a practice that I was in many years ago where they were sold to a big hospital system. And um had I, you know, had I been in surgery, I don't know that I would have had that experience um, when the hospital tried to buy did buy the practice and Um, I started speaking with them, they just completely glossed over the non-compete that was 25 miles for two years, which, you know, if that's the case, I have to pick up my family and move out of the city. There isn't even a commutable clinic in that distance. Um, And the intellectual property clause on the contract said that pretty much anything I have done or will ever do belongs to them, even if it's not done on their time or with their equipment, it was just, everything is ours. And so that, that didn't bode very well. I didn't like that. Um, and the other physicians that I worked with didn't see that there was a choice. They could say, no, they could negotiate. Well, they couldn't negotiate. There was no negotiation. Um, and that's when I walked away. Um, but my thought process with that was if they are so, the if the hospitals are so comfortable not negotiating, it means that, no one's negotiating back and so um I've been kind of mulling over what I can do to help doctors since that time and over the years um you know I've thought could I do advocacy could I do coaching like negotiation coaching which is not I, I don't think I'd be the greatest negotiation coach um I can tell you what to negotiate but I, I'm not that's not my thing um And I kind of stumbled upon this because I was naturally helping doctors find great practices and practices were reaching out to me for help. And I was doing it anyway. And I was putting in hours and hours and hours of work for my friends to help them find doctors. And it's rewarding. The doctors were happy and they went from being burned out and miserable and and went to find practices that they were just so happy in. Um, And so there was a natural progression to what I'm doing now, which is helping doctors find practices where they can avoid burnout and really just love practicing medicine again. Um, so I don't love saying the R word, but yes, I'm a physician recruiter.
1: <laughs> and I love it. We've talked before thinking about it as a matchmaker as well, right? So seeing the benefits and the, the places that integrate and coordinate for people, because we can know one practice might be fantastic for a certain physician and be terrible, be not the right fit for another physician. There's no problem with the practice of the physician, but it can be that incongruency. So how do you help identify that? How do you help people see where something in the practice might not be the right fit or something that they could actually change could be helpful?
2: How do you help them navigate that? Absolutely. So, you know, the practices that I've been working with are they all inspire me, and they're all so interesting and cool in different ways. Um, I spend quite a bit of time getting to know the practices, and so when I speak with a candidate, I know exactly what the right fit is. I know what isn't the right fit. Sometimes some very interesting things come out, but um, as I submit a potential candidate to to the doctors that own the practice, that's you know with each candidate is a learning curve. And so sometimes something comes in that I would never expect or never think to ask, but then I know for the next person, you know, if, if the doctor doesn't want someone with a purple nose ring, I don't know, just mm-hmm. random, uh, I know not to look for people with purple nose rings. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's not a real thing, but, um, but some interesting things yeah. have come up where, you know, um, someone perhaps was a little bit too interested in research or, and the, and the practice really didn't want someone interested in research or um, just interesting things. So it's a lot of knowing your audience and knowing your client and getting to know your candidate and doing what's best for both. Because if, Mm -hmm. if the client isn't happy or the candidate isn't happy, no one's happy. Mm -hmm. And what are some reasons? So it sounds like you have two
1: people with whom you work, right? The individual who's looking for a practice and practices are looking to recruit individuals to work with that. So let's take the individual standpoint. Why do those people come to you? What are their concerns? You know, what are the challenges that they're experiencing that they say, this isn't working, help me? You know, what do you find are some common points for them?
2: The most common theme by far is just feeling like another cog in the wheel. So, um, you know, a lot of doctors come to me saying, "I'm employed by a hospital. I can't make any changes. I have no say. I have no voice. There's no growth potential." Um, that's absolutely bar none the most common reason that I that people come to me. Um, other ones are wanting to work towards partnership where they don't have that option. Or burnout is, of course, a big one. Um, you know, people have burned out, which, you know, some sometimes people don't realize they're burned out. But a lot of times, you know, if you really think about it, sometimes they may just say, you know, I'm just unhappy at my job. Or um, sometimes I'll reach out to them and they say, gosh, yeah, I actually come to think of it, I'm not able to be present with my kids and I'm not sleeping. And I, you know, I'm eating too much. I'm not eating enough. I don't like food. I eat too much food or, you know, all the symptoms that we have of, um, you know, I'm resentful by everything. Um, those are all reasons people come to me to help them. Or uh, obviously another common one is graduating residency or graduating <laughs> fellowship. And how can I help them? Um, yeah. Because I really do work with amazing, amazing practices. And um I wouldn't help a doctor find a practice that I wouldn't feel happy working in. So, mm-hmm. um, I absolutely believe in the practices and what they're doing. Yeah.
1: Love that. And so what are the solutions? So the, for the person who really feels like I want to make change, I want to have influence and I don't hear, what are you able to find for them? What are they able to find for themselves? Maybe in these new spaces, so how do they find that sense of autonomy and being able to be a change agent?
2: So in private practice, you're working right alongside the physician that owns the practice. So if you have a nurse that is completely incompetent and is messing up your day, well, guess what? The owner of the practice has the same problem with the same person. So if it's, you know, as long as you have strong leadership um, that's able to try to fix the situation you're golden. Um, most of the practices I work with have all said to me, we want someone who wants to be a part of the change. We want their fresh ideas. We want to hear what they have to contribute. Um, you know, one of the practices that I'm working with right now is looking for someone to train on the business side of medicine so they can become a partner. Um, and that that's huge. Not having a voice is so instrumental in burnout um and so working somewhere where you have a voice and you can work towards ownership you can take ownership figuratively and literally is just it's just great absolutely and if
1: we flip it and take it from that practice side so you mentioned one reason i want someone who i could train right who could become the next owner of this practice what are some other things what are some of the key features characteristics traits you know behaviors of physicians that practices are currently looking for and i suspect it may be different right we're entering into a new time in medicine
2: it's very different by each practice Mm -hmm. um it's it's hard to generalize but you know most of all people and someone they'll enjoy working with someone that will be great for their patients and someone that the patients and the employees will just love working with
1: Mm -hmm. and I wonder in there if you have a role in helping the physician get to know themselves right to know what they actually want what their motivations are you know what would be a good environment, because like we say, we might have this picture of a practice that looks great on paper, but just doesn't fit us. So, what type of work do you do to help people tap into? Like, what do you actually want out of the practice yeah. of
2: medicine? Oh, that's, I love doing that. So, um, I have certainly worked with some candidates who ended up not even, I didn't even submit them for the roles um, because they weren't the right fit. But a lot of it is sometimes they say, gosh, I didn't even think that moving jobs was an option. And so, kind of opening their eyes up to that. Or um, there's some physicians where I reached out to them, um, you know, just kind of cold calling or sending a random email. And after speaking with them, you know, they have said, you know, I'm not happy and I don't have a voice and I never realized that was something that I can do something about. And so, you know, even, even if it's just going back and asking their employer for a raise or for a little bit of admin time or a scribe or a change of a medical assistant, just whatever it is, um, there's a lot of changes that can happen when you're open to the idea and when you see what's out there. Mm, yeah, just opening up that space can be so powerful. I think about that because when we do have a
1: result we don't like, right, we can change what we think about the results, we can work on changing the result, and that can mean just removing ourselves. Absolutely. And absolutely we can feel in medicine that it is you're supposed to stay in your job you know for 30 years and that's the best practice of medicine so i'm curious you mentioned new grads and you mentioned people maybe making a career change what do you notice with the arc of physicians we can think about the generations right that are in the practice of medicine in the ways that you find yourself kind of tailoring your work to meet the different needs of those people at various stages of their career
2: yeah it's very different so if you look at the older generations um the older generations and not old, older, yeah. but tend to have more of what we feel in medicine. So it's kind of compounded when you put the two together of you find your practice straight out of training and you're there until you, the day you retire. And um, you know, the generation that's kind of in their sixties, seventies, you know, those that are still working really just never retire. Um, and that's very, very characteristic of that age group. Um, the younger Positions the new grads have more of what is my purpose, what is my mission, and so a lot of the work uh, when looking for a job centers around what is my passion, and we still have that mentality of I need to be in a job and I need to be there forever, um, but there's a little bit more openness to um, to making a move within the job, whether that's a growth trajectory within the job or um seeing what you everyone sees what they can change if they're unhappy but there's a little bit more openness to moving to a new place if they're unhappy
1: yeah and what do you find are the checkpoints so say someone does make a change maybe they've been working somewhere for five or ten years we know that's a common time to make shifts and they start in a new practice we know there can be adjustments and adaptations and growing pains do you have checkpoints with your clients to know how's it going when to know if this is a good match or if it's just figuring it out, you know, the orientation to the new space. How do you help them with that transition?
2: Yeah, I check in semi-regularly. I usually give them a few weeks to a month to settle in and then I'll check in with both parties. How are things going and what can I do to help out? Um, So I help, yeah, I help a little bit once they're placed and um, just make sure everything's working out and see what I can do to help. Yeah, I love that.
1: Do you find any common growing pains that happen? in that new space or adapting, right. New behaviors. Maybe now that I do have a voice, how do I use it? You know, if somebody actually is
2: listening to me <laughs> now, yes. Oh my goodness. Very big growing pains. The first thing that, you know, in a good way is just knowing what it's like to have a voice. So, you know, a doctor can, can go into a new practice and then they'll say, you know, I really wish we did X, Y, Z. And they'll say this to me. And I'll say, well, did you tell the hiring, you know, here the physician and, and they go, no, I didn't. I said, okay, this is like, this is a part of being in private practice. You have a say, like make that suggestion because they want to hear it. And so, you know, just the first part is knowing, wait, I can actually say these things or, you know, it's pretty great. Or um, if they keep getting the new BMA and it's taking them longer to finish, you know, having that ability to say, is this just a coincidence or should I speak with the office manager to say, is this, you know, just because I'm nicer to them. So I get punished for being nicer or, you know, all these things like you can say these things because you're not going to get punished for having, having a question or bringing things up.
1: And that's something I find so often with employed physicians, even, right. You have to still tell people, right. If you want things to change, even there when the reception might not be as strong, letting people know very explicitly, right. This is what I need. This is what I want. What's the follow up? Because sometimes we might imagine people should just know, right? They should just say, of course, I want to scribe. <laughs> that would be fabulous. <laughs> but asking directly. And that's, that can be hard. The question I find that's really challenging for physicians to answer is that, what do I want? Right? And being allowed to want something for themselves just for the sake of because I want it. I'm curious how that comes up in this professional space. And if you're able to help them navigate that question.
2: Yeah. A lot of the doctors that I speak with before we even get to the interview stage, don't know that they're allowed to want anything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have the choice kind of beaten out of us in training because we do what we're told. We go to medical school, we study what we're supposed to study. We apply to, you know, we have a little bit of choice. Okay. What field are we going to go into? But even then the match, which I, I don't know if it still is as it was when we trained, but you rank your, your residency programs and you get matched to one and that's it. Like where's the choice in that. There's choice, but there's not really that much choice. And then you go to residency and you follow the schedule that you're told to follow. And then you come out and this has been how many years of doing what you're told and not knowing you have a choice. Like you have a choice in how you practice. You have a choice in, oh, so many things. And it's just not how we're taught to think. And, you know, I think this is why some of us now are coming out as entrepreneurs, you know, and are kind of later, 80, you know, we're not old, but later and realizing I have a choice. I can make a difference. I can do things the way they need to be done. Yeah, And that can be inspiring and also daunting, right? So before
1: there was this trajectory. So you just kept taking the steps and then you get to that mm-hmm. quote unquote end point and think, oh, now I have to choose. And what if I get it wrong? You know? <laughs> what if yes. I choose the wrong yes. path? And have no you helped with entrepreneurship. <laughs> how entrepreneurship? I see that? So when they have, so they're making this change in practice. How do you help them walk that path of, there was nothing wrong here, right? It wasn't the wrong decision that you were employed, or this was just a step. Like you even said, everything I've done is a choice that's brought me to where I am. How do you help the physicians with that? Because we're trained not to get things wrong, right? That's the expectation. And so for making a job change, it can come through that lens of, I failed, right? I couldn't make that work, or I should have chosen differently when I started, do you have to help physicians kind of weed through some of those shoulds, coulds, would have statements?
2: Yeah, a lot of it just comes with normalizing. Um, I'm pretty open, and I'll share my experiences with people and say, you know, I had this bad experience or I had that bad experience, and that's okay. And and shared experience. I think through shared experience, you can realize that what you've done is normal, and um, and that's it. A lot of communication and a lot of relationship building, really. I love
1: that. And I'd like to look at this from a perspective, maybe we pan out a little bit. So this is through the physician lens, but so many pearls here, I think that anyone listening could take to heart. So answering that question of what I want, listening for what's the right face for me, right? Not if it works for someone else and how to adapt that. So I'm curious how these conversations go for you in other areas of your life, because I imagine this wisdom translates into other relationships for you.
2: Mm Hmm. I've been very fortunate to have always realized that I have some choices. So I think that's, you know, kind of just what we spoke about earlier where I know that I can step away and say no to a job with no I had no backup plan when I said no to the hospital and that was okay. And it worked out just fine because then I ended up in a job that I loved just a few months later, coincidentally. Um, But yes, it definitely translates in many ways. I, I, you know, just kind of thinking about how I parent, I parent very mindfully and, um, I'm certainly not perfect by any means, but, you know, noticing if my kid says to me, thanks for not yelling at me today, mom, then I have to think, (laughs) okay, well, (laughs) how do I parent and how can I be different? Why why is it that she needs to thank me for not yelling at her? (laughs) uh, It comes in, you know, in my parenting or, um, just how I spend my time. Um, you know, I, as far as right now you know being an entrepreneur and it's still a very early stage I don't have the time to make dinner every day or um, pick my kids up from the bus stop every day I definitely certainly make it make the biggest effort to do that but um, making the choice to say I'm going to outsource a little bit of that. I'm going to have, you know, we have a nanny that's been with us since my little one was a baby. And so, you know, handing that over to her and saying, can you please cook dinner for us? Can you please get the kids? Can you come wash the laundry? Like I would be useless without her. Um, (laughs) But but taking that choice and really just kind of thinking every part of my life, what do I want to do the same? What do I want to do differently? Um, You know, I think there's a lot that seeing that we have the ability to change what we like or don't like about our setting, not always, but often, um, I think it makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah. And I hear in there too, just the nanny, if she's part of the structure to make your life function properly, right? That's just how that works for you. And it's not that you can't do it or shouldn't, but just it works the best, right? Finding that best match in your own home life. And I love that you bring parenting through because even as you began, I hear that I have three children And I hear that, right? There could be three great practices, right? And which one would match with which? You know, I think about situations, certain friends and certain sports where not everything fits everyone, you know, and being able to not one size fits all is a great gift you're bringing through. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. And so, what are you seeing? So, I'm always curious because we often make the solutions that we want for ourselves. And so, early on, you didn't have those mentors in that space that demonstrated the life you were seeking to live. And I'm curious if you're seeing both in family medicine and then in the space of encouraging private practice for physicians, if they are able to cultivate more of that, when we use the word balance, right? Work-life integration that you thought and so many physicians are looking for now.
2: Yeah, um, I do see a shift in how doctors are seeing work-life balance or integration. Mm -hmm. And I put a lot of thought into that, just, you know, being where I am today and kind of thinking back over my lifetime. Um, And I... When I think about work-life balance, I used to think of it as working X number of hours and being home X number of hours and having X number of hours with my kids. And I think, you know, just kind of thinking back, there were some jobs that I had where I worked very long hours and I was so happy. Gosh, I just love those jobs. And when I was home, I was able to be more present with my kids and then, you know, contrasted with a job that I was working less hours and was so unhappy and had more time with my kids, but I wasn't really with my kids because all I could think about was how much I hated that job. And coincidentally, it was the same job different times. (laughs) But but I think of work-life balance more as how much do you enjoy what you're doing and find purpose and meaning in what you're doing as compared with how much time are you spending on each thing? I, I think I've really been able to shift that focus from quantity to quality. Yeah,
1: I love that. And I think that gives people permission too, because sometimes if you are working a lot of hours, you might have that social conditioning that that's bad, right? And you're not able to be a good parent, but absolutely, right? There are ways to be excellent parents, excellent partners, even when you're working a high volume, if it's rejuvenating for you, right? And if it works for your family unit, so important, so powerful to bring through. Mm -hmm. So as this continues to build and grow, what do you vision for Happy Day MD? Let's say in five years, What will be the impact and what will be the growth
2: in that space? Oh, I have such big ideas. Wow, (laughs) put them all out there. (laughs) So um, to start, of course, is just helping doctors find practices. They can be happy and helping the practices find the doctors that'll be the right fit. Um, My greater goal, so I have a few, um, but the overarching goal is really what I'd like to do is increase the market share of physicians that are in private practice. So right now the practices are having trouble finding doctors because they can't compete with the hospitals. They're having trouble negotiating with the insurance, sy- insurance systems because um, they don't have enough negotiating power. They don't. Ha- There's so much that we can't do in private practice because there aren't enough of us. And so the more doctors there are in practice, the more power we'll have as far as doing what's right for the patient. Um, I think that once you put physicians in charge of administration, then a lot of big changes can happen. And so my huge goal, maybe 10, 20 years down the line, is through increasing the amount of doctors in private practice. It would be the hospitals rather trying to compete with the practices mm-hmm. and saying, "How can we keep the doctors happy? Because we keep losing them to private practice." Mm-hmm. And so it's a win-win for everyone. It's a win for the hospitals because yeah. they'll have they'll retain their doctors because the doctors are happy, not because they have a non-compete and they can't go anywhere, um, which you know has all these great downstream effects. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, my. We'd
1: have. I love that vision. I'm with you. And we could have a whole episode on non-competes, I think. (laughs) And the impact thereof. I've always been of the question, like I want to have willing participants, you know, in whatever it is that I'm doing. And it's such an interesting concept. And you're on the way, you're mapping this out. And how are you balancing out, continuing to practice clinically and engaging in this business? Because we have certain stereotypes, right? That doctors aren't good at business or, you know, it can be detracting from. How do you see
2: those? actually supporting one another. I think that being a practicing physician certainly supports being a physician recruiter because I absolutely know what everyone's going through. I've been burned out. I've been miserable and I've been happy and and I and I see what's going on. Um right now, um being at a very early stage in my business, the clinical side is locums. So I get to see a little bit of what's going on in different places, um, a little bit of telemedicine, which is kind of fun because I can do it from home. Um, and uh, I like being able to support. So, you know, the winter holidays are coming up and I know everyone takes vacation over the winter holidays. Um, so I get to go in and help the practices for the winter holidays, which is kind of nice. So the doctors can take vacation. Um, but I, I think that being in the trenches certainly helps because I know what pains everyone's going through. Cause I'm going through them too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice. I get to see that. Shift happening, and I get to see all the changes in medicine that, or I will see all the changes in medicine that will be coming down the line. Absolutely, and having those multiple vantage
1: points is so powerful. And I think as we begin to reduce those silos in medicine, and we do have common issues all over the place, and we also have common strengths, right, to share and celebrate those successes together. I love that. We've heard lots of fantastic ways, but I'd be curious to hear from you directly how you see yourself. For the health of all things
2: yes so we all are a part of a bigger picture and the way i see myself for the health is physician advocacy helping doctors um, stand up for what we know is right and be a part of the greater change um i am always happy to speak with doctors about any of their struggles whether it's job related or you know whether i find them something or not i really just want to help empower doctors to take back medicine. Okay.
1: Right. And then there, the ripple effect. If we have happy physicians in practice, you know, patient care changes and our health improves. I love it. Absolutely. Please do tell the listeners where they can find out more about what you're doing. Our physician listeners who want to work with you, how can they do that?
2: Yes, you can find me at my website is www.happydayhealth.co. That's not .com, mm-hmm. And I'm on TikTok and Instagram. My handles are Happy Day MD and um, LinkedIn, Laura Hockman MD. Um, my LinkedIn business page is Happy Day Health. And I would love for you to follow me and reach out anytime. Uh, the best way to, to reach me is through my website or through LinkedIn. I love it.
1: And the videos are fantastic. So I highly encourage you to follow and you bring happiness into all those spaces where you are. Much appreciated. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me here today and for the great work that you're doing. And we'll definitely do some check-ins to see how this big vision is coming into being. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic
0: Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.